You have done it again, Lord. You have brought us to your house again, Lord. Praise God. Ugh. Wow. I still miss church. What do you mean by that, Rod? Well, it's kind of kind of halfway, you know? It's going to happen again. Praise God. Um, please remember the family of Brother Brown. He passed away last week. What a sweet man. I always shook his hand and said, hey, young man. And he called me old man. <laughs> Such a sweet fellow. We're going to miss him. Uh, heaven has gained an angel, that's for sure. When we find out information about his services from the family, we'll do. Uh, we'll let you know that. But continue to pray for them. Praise God. And uh, thank you so much for your giving. Uh, it's an awesome thing. I, I find, uh, we find, as my wife and I, she does the uh, finances and stuff. And, of course, I let her. But <laughs> that's pretty easy to do right there that you're looking on the screen. You haven't set that up. It's, it's simple. Click, click, click. You know, you'll go to Amazon and buy some shoes. Why don't you just give to the house of the Lord that way? It's easy that way. We can do that. We can still bring in your tithes and your offerings. Um, I, I am impressed with how we continue to give. Some churches don't have that blessing, that luxury. They still have the Lord, but sometimes people just shy off and they stop. and You know, they hunker down and then they save all their coins and collect all their ammo and stuff. And I want God to rule, don't you? I want his blessings to flow. That's why we're here today. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles for a couple of moments today, we're going to read a few scriptures and then we'll be seated. I won't make you stand the whole sermon. <laughs> It's been a few weeks since I've been up here. A lot, a lot of things have happened, and I want to thank those of you that have prayed for us and have kept us in your hearts and in your minds and have ministered. You know, when things happen to you in your life, when life just happens, sometimes it's, it's an opportunity for those to minister that haven't ministered, and that's their way of ministering. They can't do it unless something happens to you. So... Uh, thank you so much. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter. We're going to read 13 verses. <gasps> I'll read fast. And I want to bring some points out to you <clears throat> before we're seated. Starting with verse number five. But watch thou in all things. How many want to watch? Endure afflictions. What? Yeah. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. That's Paul talking. I have fought a good fight. How many like the fight? Kind of, no. I have finished. Let's say finished. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Let's say kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord thy righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. That's you and I. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world, let's give Demas a boo. Boo. And he's departed into Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. But take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichius have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left in Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. You don't ever want to forget the word of God. Don't let anybody take that from you or your house or your belief. Hold on to the word of God. Every ounce you get, every time you can, put a grip on the word of God for it's a precious parchment. Yeah. That'll preach right there, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did much evil. The Lord rewarded him according to his works. Amen. Of whom be thou were also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Now listen. At my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding the Lord, let's say the Lord, the Lord stood with me. And he did what? And he strengthened me. How many's experienced that? He hasn't gone anywhere. He's here to strengthen you. All you got to do is worship. That by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's say finishing faith. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Uh, If I could borrow a statement from my brother-in-law in Georgia. That always said, and it's something that I get from him, his wife, Pat Bowman, or Pat Gleason, always would say to him, Tim, the only thing you've ever finished is a plate of chicken. I've got things at my house that aren't finished. I do. I'll admit it. It's a good start. I'll get it later. Tim says, Rod, you got to have a good later, man. There's nobody like Jesus, though. Ah. How many are with me today? Come on. I know it's been a while, but you know what? I got a lot to say, and I'm going to try to do it because I know the kids are back there, and we'll see what we can do. But uh, <clears throat> God's a good God, isn't he? No matter what you go through, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to let you down. That's our next verse, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have. 
Don't covet after everybody's stuff. God's given you your stuff. It's easy to climb on that uh, uh, train and say, Lord, you know, you done that for them, and why don't you bless me? And, you know, I can't stand it. So they get a bad attitude, and they quit, you know, and they throw the towel in. He's given you your stuff. You worship him in your way. I worship him in my way. Oh, there's nothing like it. True worshipers. That's what he wants is true worshipers. He doesn't want to echo from somebody standing next to you because they've got their own travel stuff to get a hold of God. And even in this kind of situation that we are in our society now, we've got to do it and seek out our own salvation, our own salvation. Amen. <coughs> so he's got things for us. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake. The devil will tell you that he's gone. That, and he'll pile his stuff on you and make you feel even worse because it's easy to listen to him because it, he's everywhere, really. You see him on the TV, you hear him on the radio, you read him in the paper, you hear it from this coworker, that coworker. And before you know it, you're sulking down into your chair and you think, oh, well, this is all my fault and poor little old me. And say, see, he's never, he's left you. Everybody's left you. Nobody wants you. And sometimes that really happens physically. But I'm not here to get physical stuff from other people. I'm here to get a touch from God. They can't help me like he can help me. They can't touch me like he can touch me. They haven't the strength to pick me up like he can pick me up. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying bad about you, but you know what? I need a hug from Jesus once in a while. That's why they can't shut these doors. That's why they can't pass a regulation that said you can't worship. You can't go to church. You got to stay in your vehicle. You got to have drive-through church. Not anymore. Why? I need a touch from God. I know where the altar is. I know how to worship him, and I'm going to get it. No man is going to stop me from worshiping the Lord. Because you've done so much, God. Ah. Ah. Oh, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That word forsake is pretty awesome. It's, it's a mean word. It means to quit. It means to be done. If you were on a wrestling match on the mat, the coach would throw a towel in. That's right. Throw the towel in means they quit. They surrendered. He's never going to leave you nor leave you hanging. He's not going to walk away from your corner. He's not going to throw the towel in and say, you know that Raj, he's done. I'm done with him. I can't take him anymore. To quit or to leave entirely. To abandon. To give up on. To desert. Or to renounce somebody. He'll never forsake you. Even if you think that it can't get any worse... I never thought we'd be in this position. 
Oh, it can't get anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's still God. <laughs> He's still here. <laughs> I still feel him like I never had before when we worship him. You know what's good? I, I, I can't get these little, this is how I got the Holy Ghost. I got to share this with you. It wasn't, I started in the back. You know, I'll cuddle down a little hole here. I'll cuddle up and say, well, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Looking around at people's watching me. Looking to see if my girlfriend was looking at me because she's the one that wanted me to go pray. Okay, I'll pray back here. And it got a hold of me. I got up and I said, I'm done. This is over with. I can't play anymore. I just can't play it. Why? Because I needed him even further than what I thought. He knows what's best for you. That's been said and preached many times over. I've made my way all the way around to the corner, to the edge of the, of the altar over there, and that's where I poured my heart out. But I meant to say is this, is when I opened everything up, when I stood up, when I stretched out my hands, you, you, you put all your defenses down. You open yourself up so vulnerable to God. You put your head back and you begin to have the tears roll down and it fills up your ears because you've been crying so much and stretching for God and reaching for Him. That's when He means business. That's when He says, oh yeah, that boy over there needs a touch. That's when you're going to get it. You're not going to get it when you're like this. It's high time that I raise my hands. It's high time that I stand up. It's high time that I put my head back and begin to reach out to God. Pour my innermost being out. Put everything on the altar that I've ever got. Repent of all my stuff. Why? Because I need him that much. Because yeah. he's not going to quit on me. 1970, how many remember that year? <laughs> That's when I graduated from elementary school in the junior high. Thank you very much. It was tough. I did. So I joined the Westmore Junior High track team. The first race that I ran, I stopped. Because they had this ribbon across. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it I, Really, I'm not really that dumb. I know, I'm a, I know, but so I go like this. I didn't want to hit that tape. I didn't know what it was. And the coach had to instruct me. And that's how we learn. You don't stop when the finish line's there. When you run the 100-yard dash, you're running the 120-yard dash because you continually to put the metal or the pedal to the metal, you continue to accelerate all the way through the race. You don't stop halfway. You don't say, well, I've done enough. You don't say it's too hard anymore. You just don't give up. You keep going by all that you've got. That's how we train. That's how we, we, we uh, uh, spent our uh, our practices and stuff, going through, training ourselves, that we know that when the race really happened, that's when I got my fastest time, is when I was put in a heat with all these other fast guys. I was a sprinter. I got on, done my thing, and went and sat in the bleaches with the girls. 
called track and field. <laughs> but you learn to run through this race. I'm so glad, Sister Bruce, you started up these Friday night all-prayer meetings. That's exactly what I needed that day. Friday, June 26th, sitting in that chair over there, God just spoke. When, when God uh, uh, speaks to you or God uh, inspires you for something, don't you just feel the, the tremendous pressure of the Holy Ghost just because a bunch of weight just goes boom, right down on you? And you're, this thing that you were thinking, this scripture that you had, it just, it just gets enlightened. He turns the light on. He turns the high beams on. It, it, it's just illuminated. It's a revelation, and it happens. And, he t and I was so impressed that we have got to finish what we started. We're not going to get anywhere if we just stop halfway. We had a guy on our team. His name was Scott Janey. Scott Janey, was, he's a strange guy. So here's simple some instructions about track, running track. You, you know you run on the balls of your feet, right? That's when you're fast. You really, you, your whole foot doesn't hit the ground. The balls of your feet do. Scott didn't run like that. He ran with his heels. How in the world? And this guy was fast. What? It didn't make sense, but he was fast. So his... His parents had a lot of money, so they bought him these track shoes, but they weren't regular track shoes. They were javelin boot. How many knows what the javelin is? The javelin boot has spikes in the heel. You have spikes on the, the, the front part of your foot, but there also is two spikes in the back on your heel, so it could help him run faster. Okay, whatever, go for it. And he was fast. The problem was Scott had an issue that whenever he was falling behind, all of a sudden something would cramp. Oh, my leg, oh, my thigh, oh, my hip, oh, my knee. Every race. He'd be going, go, Scott, go, and everybody cheer him on. You know, yeah, you can do it. All of a sudden, the other guy passed him up. He said, oh, my knee. Now's the time, spiritually, in our race, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to have, yeah, I know, it may be painful or something, but you know what? you got to finish. you got to run through that tape. you gotta, you got to have the faith to believe in God that God's for you who can be against you. That no matter what the devil throws at you, it can't hurt you because he's the one in charge. He's the one in control. What happens is we start believing all of his stuff and things start falling apart even worse because you, you get what you perceive in God. If you perceive God as, as he's forsaken you, then that's what you're going to get. I've made my mind up years ago that God's for me no matter what happens. He's brought me through so many things and it doesn't matter what comes my way. Even when it's not my fault, God will see me through. Yeah. Come on, I wish I had some workers. I wish I had some worshipers. I wish I had some people that believe that statement.
It doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter how bad it may seem. God is going to meet us through. I'm going to finish with him. I'm going to finish with him. And I'm going to finish strong. As strong as I can. Because he's going to make up the difference. Raj, that time was horrible, but I'll make it up. That's what happens when you have good people on your team, especially if you're in a relay race and you're not doing good. You can hand the baton off and you know that this other guy's going to make up some time. Ah, good family people, good church people. Well, I'm not feeling very good physically, spiritually, whatever. That's okay. We'll hold you up in prayer. That's what it's all about. It's a family of God. That's what happens throughout the Bible. You find when, when people brought others to the Lord it, for their healing, it's because they brought him. They've got, you know, sometimes we're not strong enough physically. We're not strong enough spiritually. And sometimes when people really get sick, they, they don't have the ability to pray. That's when we step up. That's when the family says, come on, Jesus, this is here. Come on, Jesus, we're praying for this. That's why we need to pray for the churches on the east coast of Florida and those in North and South Carolina that are facing this storm. There are going to be other storms. They'll pray for us. But we do what we can do. It's a family thing. It's a team thing. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> I mean, he's ever heard the lion roar. I mean, a real one. I even get scared in the neighborhood when some cat just, <laughs> what was that? Dog, you know, you can hear this, a dog bark, and you know it's a deep dog, big dog. You know, it's huge. You can't see nothing. It's dark. Whoa. Even in the daylight, the dog's barking and coming. Hey, get your dog, get your dog, get your dog. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a fence there. He won't come out. <laughs> Scared me. The Bible says the devil's that way. He wants to roar in your face. He wants to scare us to death. And when you're scared and terrified and petrified, what happens is you don't move. You don't do anything. Your eyes get really big, and you start worrying a lot, and you don't know how to get out of this situation, and that's exactly what he wants to be done. He's like a roaring lion. The lion's roar is to terrorize everybody that hears it, and you stop what you're doing. <coughs> it instills fear in you in the prey, but it also says, seeking whom he may devour. I like that word because that word means there's some people that he can't touch. He's just scary. <laughs> I don't want him to devour me. That's why I've got to know when he roars that I don't really think too much of it because I got my eyes on Jesus. I'm listening to his voice. I'm listening to his worship. I'm getting things ready for the Lord. So when life happens, it roars at you. But I can't let this fear intimidate me so that I forget whose I really am. 
it, that's, what we, that's what happens when we're carnal-minded so much. That when this roar comes of life, we, it, 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 it enables us to do anything. And I forget, actually, that I belong to the Lord. I forget that I'm his kid. I think that it's just me and this lion's coming to get me and eat me up for lunch. <clears throat> and I forget what God's done. And you have to take time to, to look back on, on reflect on your history and your life and say, Lord, you've kept me here. You brought me out of this. You kept me here. You gave me this. And then you got to remember that that's just a roar. It doesn't really mean anything. It's there to terrorize us. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And it even adds more impact when I, when I walk around following the leading of the Spirit constantly in the back of my mind worshiping the Lord. Kind of like David. The lion came. The bear came. Eat the sheep up. He destroyed them all. Why? Because he was worshipped. He knew who he was. So don't let the enemy fool you and tell you that you're a nobody. You're just like all the others in this world, all the others in this city, all the others in this county. I, I beg to differ with you. God has kept me. We are kept by the power of God. God has kept me from this and from that. I'm going to follow the leading. And if there's any time in our life that we need to get closer to God, it's right now. As close as I can get. I can be concerned, but not petrified. How many are with me? I can be careful, but not intimidated. Because fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. You can't shoot it. You can't blow it up. You can't give it a vaccine and watch it go away. Because fear is a spirit. You can't arrest it. You can't put handcuffs on it. But he can do that to you. You know how sometimes you, when you, I don't know a lot about, I never got, had any got in a fight other than with my wife. I let her win that too. <laughs> There's a stance when you fight. They train you that way. You don't cross your legs. I don't know if you own karate stuff. There's a stance. I'm ready. Come on, bring it. There's a stance that you have. You got the idea? Let me ask you this. What's the best spiritual stance that you have? You want to defeat a spirit of fear? You get in your stance. You don't have to train. You don't have to go to the gym. All you got to do is show up Friday nights. All you got to do is show up when the doors are open for prayer. All you got to do is mean it. I need to pray more because I got my stance. And then watch fear run away. Oh, he's praying. Isn't that what the devil does? He wants to accomplish that. 
put fear in your heart and not have you pray. When I was young, growing up in the 70s and the churches and stuff, we had people come in that were demon-possessed. And you know what their main thing was? To disrupt the service. That's it. They would walk down the middle of the aisle. And I remember an incident, a Chinese guy came in, and Brother Stewart was preaching away, and he was just rattling away down the What? You know, everybody's scared and everything. He put him in his place, let him out the door. Don't mess with them. They want to instill fear. The terrorists from 9-11, they don't, they don't care about our jets or our buildings or the shoes. They, all they want to do is instill fear in us. So that I, I don't even like the TSA. Don't tell TSA agents that. Uh, should go with Carrie when you go to the airport. Come on, really? Take all my shoes off. And that's all the terrorists wanted to do. Instill fear. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Instill fear in us so that we don't do anything. I'm here to tell him right now that we're going to do it even more. We're going to have revival anyhow. They can't keep us quiet. They can't keep us mauled. They can't muzzle our worship. We're not in California. We're in Florida. And they're going to have to deal with it out there. Ha! I'm thankful I'm in the house of God today. I'm going to finish my course with joy. Remember Judges, the seventh chapter, a guy named Gideon was behind the wine press, threshing wheat because he was fearful. The Midianites would come all the time and steal their harvest. They would, the, the Israelites would work, plant, hoe, weed, you know, water, all kinds of stuff. When the harvest would come and they would harvest, many knives would come in and steal it all. So it instilled fear in the Israelites. I'm not here to huckle down behind my wine press and worship. That's not, he deserves so much more. Sometimes, Brother Bruce, I feel I've been robbed. I feel somehow I've been robbed. I feel our church has been robbed. I feel they weaseled in and took our worship. I feel they robbed us on our altars. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to allow them to rob my soul. They're not going to take my religion. They're not going to zip my lip and say, you can't. They're not going to pass some kind of regulation that says, you've got to do this outside the building. It's not happening in my life. It's not happening in this church. It's not happening. It's up to me and my faith to finish my race. You got trained for it. The coach put you in that spot. He started you in lane three, and you're going to finish in lane three. There's nobody else going to step in and take your spot because it's your race. It's your relationship with God. I want to improve it even more. 
Sometimes if there's a good thing that happens, I think sometimes a tragedy and stuff pushes us either towards God even further or further away. I want to choose to get closer to God. I want to choose to push my stuff aside and do more of God's stuff. That's an easy decision. Finish my course with faith. And God will make sure you get that faith. And he'll help you. He'll help you develop it. He's your coach. He'll help you get there. How many have the cell phone? This is the worst one I've ever owned. All you Apple people can close your mouth. I've dropped it. It's broke. And I used to pride myself as, oh, you people got to go get another screen because yours is broke. Nah, 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 nah. Mine's still good all these years. I mean, this is broken three times. Why are you talking about a cell phone for? Because we can get this idea from this cell phone. Just bear with me a couple more minutes. How many has ever tried to use this when it malfunctions? It never has malfunctioned for you? Ah. You know, you got to turn it on. You, you've never got a, a bad text or the phone didn't go through the number or you're dialing somewhere and it, and it yeah, and you don't know how to fix it and you've restarted it a few times and you think, well, that'll work and then you've cleared out all of your other junk that adds up all the memory to it and you try to straighten it out the best you can before you take it down to the Apple store and they charge you whatever. And the thing about it is you pay so much for this, and how I think about it is it's got to work for me the way I want it to work, or I'll take it back and forget it. I, I never had one of these, you know, when I was a kid and all that. Maxwell Smart had one in his shoe it's as far as it went. But when you realize how much money this costs you for a year, you want it to perform the way you want it to perform, right? How many are with me there? Now, this little device can aid your life and help you out in a lot of stuff. It also can hurt you. You can, you can get into some stuff here that you don't want to get into. So you've got to control this. You still with me? So the reason I mentioned this cell phone thing is now I want you to put yourself in God's position and put you as a cell phone. And if God wants to use you and do things for you, but you're just not working right, because you've got some kind of a, we'll call it a virus, they've got something that's messed up that just doesn't work properly anymore. You see what I'm saying? You see how I'm feeling or, or trying to get across to you? That, that we owe it more to God to fix ourselves. We owe more to him to make sure that things are done proper and right and that our faith is increased because he wants to make a phone call to somebody. He wants to reach through somebody, and he's going to use you to do it. But I've got to be just right. I've got to be fixed. 
got to have my faith right. It's very frustrating when it doesn't perform up to its potential because there's something wrong somewhere. Again, we don't have the spirit of fear. Love, sound mind. In 1938, there are two guys named Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. They created a superhero by the name of Superman. But he had a weakness called kryptonite. And what this mineral would do, it would rob him of his strength so that he would just be a normal man. There's no superpower anymore because of this little empty thing called kryptonite. And again, this is just my opinion. I feel that this COVID stuff is a kryptonite type of a thing to us. It's damaged us in such a way. It, it, it's honest. It's inside. You can't really just fully function anymore. There's no supernatural because we've all fall back to the natural thing. Oh, we're not going to do that. That's how I see this. Would just make me a normal spiritual Clark Kent when God doesn't need those he's looking for a superman he's looking for the supernatural not the natural natural you know what I'm getting at and the more the worst thing is this the more I stay at this level the more I become accustomed to this and the no more I kind of label it as church. Let's just have church. <laughs> we, we make a knockoff church. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't I don't want to offend anybody, but he's ever owned a knockoff thing my, my mother-in-law got me a Rolex watch now do I look like a guy that would wear a Rolex watch I did for a while it was nice big brass thing shiny thing big thick thing uh, she got on a cruise I don't know what she paid for it when you would set the hands, the whole face would nudge a little bit. It was okay, Sister Bruce, until I had to change the battery. And I never did get it back together. I tried, I tried, I tried. I never got it back together. So I ended up throwing it away. Let's say knockoff. How many know what I mean? Looks it, nothing there. When the devil roars in your face, when life comes at you, I don't want to have a knockoff Jesus. I just don't. I need something real. When somebody comes to me for some help, I don't want to serve them something that's not real. I don't want to bring them to knockoff church. Let's 
listen, we've got to get closer to God. It's time to improve your serve. It's time to improve more time on his realm. It's time to connect to God even harder. It's time to be even more uh, in, in strength with him and finish up. It's time to run all the way through because I don't want to be a knockoff. My faith has to be strong to finish. I don't want to Scott Janey myself. Oh, I got a cramp, Lord. Oh, but, but Jesus, it was COVID. Come on. My Bible says this in Mark 16, 17, and 18. These signs shall follow them that believe. How many are believers with me today? I'm not talking about knockoff faith. I want something that's real. I want something that's been truth tested and tried in the fire. God's kept me back there. He can bring me through something else. Even though I'm older, he can still bring me through that. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I didn't read maybe in there anywhere. Musicians, if you come, I'm finished. Stand with me. I'm, I'm going to close. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I still have a problem of not opening up an altar. <sighs> the Bible likens us to sheep. You with me? Matthew, the 10th chapter, says that the Lord sends you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He sent us out here. If you know anything about sheep, I, I would have picked something else, Lord. Something that's got teeth, something that's got claws, something that has a fighting stance. Something that's, that's got some, a little bit of anger and a little fight inside of it, you know. That's a nice pet to have. But he said, no, you're sheep. They can't fight. They have no teeth just to eat grass. They have no defenses. They're not fast. They're not carnivorous. They don't have an attack nature in them. They are completely helpless. And all they do is eat grass and grow wool. And that's what Jesus said we are. You're all sheep, and I've sent you into a bunch of wolves. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But David understood what the sheep were all about and the relationship that the shepherd had with his sheep. So in the hands of a faithful believer, 
This scripture that I'm going to read is a nuclear weapon when it comes to combating fear. And I'm going to leave you with this. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is just the musician's shepherd. The Lord is just the minister's shepherd. The Lord is the pastor's shepherd. You have got to apply that to your life. He's your shepherd as much as he's my shepherd. And when I need my shepherd, he's going to be there for me. Because even though I'm being attacked by wolves, even though the Satan's come up into my face, even though things of life are just, just terrorism, he's going to make sure that I'm taken care of. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now we say this a lot of times. We read it a lot. We learn it in Sunday school when we were kids. We repeat it a lot of funerals. But you've got to understand, sheep, and I mentioned a little bit, but I also knew how the relationship was with David and these sheep. And he said, Lord, you're just like this. You're like me. He will provide everything for you so that you don't have to go without. He'll provide it all because David said, I shall not want if God is my shepherd. If he's not your shepherd, you're going to be in trouble. If he's not your shepherd, you're going to be hungry. And sometimes sheep get going astray and you've got to drag them back a little bit. Hey, 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 get back here. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. How many is God? You don't know the answer. You don't know why. He just made it happen that way that I'm here and I'm in a green pasture and he's making me lie down. I don't want to, but he's making me lie down and take a rest. He makes me. Because he's my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. Do you know the sheep are so dumb that they will try to get a drink out of a rushing water and they'll get themselves stuck in there and they'll be swept up in the current because all they wanted was a drink and they can't handle the rushy water. They can't handle the swift current. He makes me, it leaves me besides the still waters. I don't want something that God doesn't intend for me to have. I can't handle it. It may be bad for me. I may get myself in worse trouble. So I only want what God wants for me in my life. I can't look at somebody else and say, God, why don't you give me that? It might be rushing water to me. He restores my soul. I wish I had some people that said, yeah, he's restored me many times over. He's picked me up. He's cut me off the side of the road. He's picked me out of the ditch, out of the hole, out of the problems where I was. He's restored everything. And he's put me back in my right mind. He's put me in a place that I can actually graze and rest. That's another thing. Sheep don't sleep unless everything's just perfect. You want rest in your life? Release some stress. Fill your heart up with God. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen, yea, 
though I walk through, let's say through, through the valley of the shadow of death. What's next? I will fear no evil. For thou, O Lord, art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because he's my shepherd. I got nothing to fear. I got nothing to fear. Come on, let's sing it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, we lift you up in this place. Help me say you are God, you're the great I am. Breath of life, I breathe you in, even in the fire. I'm alive in you, you are strong in my brokenness, sovereign over every step. Even in the fire, I'm a 
a couple yes. here. Yeah. Aren't you glad Come for on, that? Give thanks. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, you're worthy. Hallelujah. We magnify you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. You're worthy, God. We give you glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. God is good. God is good. <laughs> God is good. Uh-huh.
God is fighting for us. God is on our side. He has overcome. Yes, he has overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. He's carrying our burdens. Come on. Carrying our burdens. Covering our shame. He has overcome. Yes, he has overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. Come on, say it again. God is fighting for us. God is fighting for you. From me, for this city, he's fighting. Yes, he has. Shaking, we will not be moved. Jesus, oh, come on, He's carrying the burdens.
She never shut her state down or even the businesses in her state. She even stands at the state, uh, South Dakota State Capitol every day, no matter what the weather is, and she prays over her state. There's more. There's more. And then she walks down the halls of the South Dakota State Capitol and prays every legislator's office door and elected official's door that God will guide them and help them make the right decisions. South Dakota is in the best shape and condition than any other state in our nation. And I think this governor has got it right. What's our fighting stance? Down on our knees. Lord bless you. Have a great week. God is good. Amen.